0: The winners are the ones who we see having real conviction over what they're trying to do strategically, a willingness to stay the course, and to make multiple acquisitions, some of which will pay off better than others, but who recognize that it's going to be a multi-year journey to really transform the way the business operates. From
1: McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. With digital technologies unleashing rapid changes in industry structures and company business models, mergers, acquisitions, and divestitures have become an important way for companies to reposition their organizations to compete in the digital age. In today's podcast, Cam McKellar, a McKinsey contributor, talks with Simon Blackburn, a senior partner based in our Sydney office, about the role of M&A in adapting to digital disruption. Their conversation was recorded at our 2019 Australia m and conference that we recently held in Sydney.
2: Simon, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure.
0: Tell me, what is driving digital disruption? I think it's a few things. Uh, one is a kind of virtuous cycle of disruption between proliferation of data the acceleration of compute power and algorithms to harness that data and connectivity are self-reinforcing. So we have better data at our fingertips of what's going on across our customers or our sales force or our refinery or our oil field. And the compute power means we can build models that allow us to predict behaviors and outcomes or optimize throughput or automate processes in ways uh, that we couldn't. At scale before. And connectivity means you can do that more or less anywhere, anytime, and deliver the results into the hands of people that need them wherever they're working. And so that's certainly one of the drivers of disruption. A second is uh, what I guess I refer to as the combinatorial tech explosion. And this is the idea that it's not about individual innovations, but how they're combined and harnessed into uh, really uh, transformational experiences. And obviously, the yeah, smartphones sitting in our pockets are one great example of that. But another is autonomous vehicles. If you think about the combination of GPS technology, radar, LiDAR, sensors, video cameras, uh, and compute power and connectivity, each of those innovations in their own right Some have been around for a while, some are more recent, but it's really the combination of all of those together, along with uh, clever new algorithms that are causing us to really rethink what the future of uh, of transportation might look like. And so the result is I think we see pretty fundamental changes to a lot of business models out there. Uh, And they're really distorting uh, the economics of supply and demand in different ways. That includes freeing up latent supply and matching it with demand. Uh, Obvious examples there, uh, Airbnb or Uber, unbundling of existing demand and what you're seeing with uh, streaming services or even new business systems uh, that radically lower the cost of uh, doing business as you're seeing a lot of in financial services right now. So while the concept of disruption isn't new, We do think that the combination of those self-reinforcing loops of digital technologies, such as data, compute power and connectivity, are allowing business models to be disrupted in ways that are at a pace and scale that are, are different.
2: Right. So faster and bigger. Exactly. What scale of response does this kind of digital disruption
0: demand for incumbent companies? So the scale of response required is large. And of course, the dynamics of that and the urgency vary from industry to industry. But our belief is that we're seeing this across all of the industries that uh, that we look at. And it's exacerbated by the network effects that cause a winner-takes-all dynamic to take place, where as you reach scale, as you gain greater data on For example, your customers and their behaviour allows you to personalise and customise your offers better, which in turn makes you more effective. And the scale, of course, also extends then into your supply chain, your ability to form partnerships and to acquire uh, competitors. So
2: if we're in a winner-takes-all world, and this is a winner-takes-all game, do the
0: winners just have a better digital strategy? It's a really great question, Cam. And certainly that's a pretty common response, which is we need a digital strategy And in most cases, you're right, you do need a digital strategy. And this is a topic that we spend a lot of time on with our clients, helping them think through uh, what is a good digital strategy. And that typically involves thinking through what are the different domains or parts of the business and the degree of threat and disruption that each of them is encountering and therefore how much value is at stake. And flowing from that, how do you protect or capture that value by harnessing new capabilities new technologies or new ways of working. So that might mean, for example, that you're reinventing a customer journey end to end. It might mean you're automating a process or it might mean you're using advanced analytics to uh, predict customer behavior or optimize throughput through a chemical plant. And all of that's sensible activity and it is activity that organizations should be pursuing But we actually think that it's not a sufficient response in most cases, and that there's actually a deeper set of questions that organisations should be asking before they get to, uh, we need a digital strategy. And that is to ask the question, is our core strategy robust in an age of digital disruption? And this is getting at the question of, how will digital disruption fundamentally impact our current business model? And is it fit for purpose in the new world? And so given the nature of these disruptions, what will be the future sources of value and what will it take to capture that uh, value? And therefore, what's the optimum strategy to pursue? So an example in financial services might be that I'm a bank and my digitization strategy says that I'm going to engage with my customers via digital or mobile channels, I'm going to straight through process uh, loan applications, and I'm going to use advanced analytics to predict behaviors and what I might be able to offer to my, my customers. That's the digitization strategy. The question of, is my core strategy robust in an age of digital disruption, might make you ask the question of, well, who are going to be the lenders of success in the future? What is the future of peer-to-peer lending? Uh, What are the sources of funding that are going to be relevant in the market that I'm playing in? Uh, Should I be enabling organisations that I currently view as my competitors and turning them into partners by offering banking-as-a-service capabilities to them? So these are the types of responses that asking the first question might provoke. So it's about having... Uh, a strategy for the digital age rather than just the digital strategy? And I think it's actually having both and uh, both inform themselves because actually it turns out that by asking the question, is my uh, strategy robust in an age of digital disruption, that's going to point me to the areas where I'm most at risk of becoming less relevant to my uh, customers. And in doing so, that will therefore uh, provide a roadmap for the digital strategy that I should uh, launch.
2: Let's talk about digital MA. What is it and what role does it play in responding to digital disruption?
0: Sure. Well, look, inorganic growth has always uh, played a role in uh, helping organizations evolve their business model and find new sorts, sources of revenue, and that's true in the digital world as well. And quite frequently, uh, we'll find particularly for incumbents, uh, it can be long, difficult, and time-consuming to build the capabilities in-house that they need. And the pace of change is such that uh, digital MA needs to play a role in transforming yourself to a business that's fit for purpose in this new world, uh, particularly in one as we've discussed, that is winner-takes all. In order to be successful, however. A few things need to be true. First of all, we discussed earlier this idea that you need a strategy that's robust in an age of digital disruption, not just a a digital strategy. That's really important when it comes to M and A, because your strategic posture and the rationale for why you're seeking to build a set of capabilities or a a market access, etc., is really crucial. And it's crucial because. When building new digital businesses, it's typically a different muscle for the organization than we're used to building. And that takes time and it takes a concerted effort over uh, typically multiple acquisitions and frequently over multiple years. So the winners are the ones who we see having Real conviction over what they're trying to do strategically, a willingness to stay the course and to make multiple acquisitions, some of which will pay off and so, uh, better than others, but who recognise that it's going to be a multi-year journey to really transform the way the business operates. Right. So it's not just a one-off
2: big deal to, you know, to sort of plug in a digital part of the business. It's about a steady stream of deals that follow a strategic intent.
0: We really think that's the case, and it's not just the incumbents that uh, need to think that way. Even if you look at digital native uh, like, uh, like Google or Facebook, the number of deals that they're doing and uh, their ability to harness outside technologies to uh, supplement wh- what they're doing, uh, it's a core part of how they, uh, how they operate and how they, uh, how they think.
2: What gets in the way of, of these kind of deals?
0: Yes, yeah, so I think there's a few things. One is uh, a knowledge gap. So most executives, uh, executive teams and boards are not deeply knowledgeable and familiar with the content in uh, the, the digital and analytic, advanced analytics world. And that gap needs to be closed by a concerted effort of capability building, whether that's digital and analytics academies or uh, acquiring different talent. So there's a knowledge gap. Second, valuation can be trickier. It typically doesn't follow the financial one-on-one, 101 framework that relies on deal synergies. You may be thinking much more about strategic uh, fit and business model uh, adaptation. A third is an accelerated pace of change, so the speed at which the market is evolving. And that might mean that you need to pursue parallel paths uh, at once. A fourth and important one is differences in culture. So you'll often be acquiring organisations that have very different cultures and needing to think through carefully how do you handle that. Is this something that you do on the side? Is it something that you take a reverse merger approach and you build into that new culture over time? Another is uh, target visibility. It can be difficult for organizations, traditional organizations, to get visibility into uh, the, the, uh, the, the landscape of smaller uh, startups and providers that they might be looking to acquire here. And so having a systematic set of tools and networks that you can leverage to build up that picture can be important. And lastly, I'd say is uh, the, the, this concept of uncertainty, that the question of how to evolve our strategy in the, pace, in the face of this uh, rapid disruption can often cause organisations to respond tentatively, uh, whereas uh, what the winners tend to be doing here is uh, moving boldly and programmatically in a, dis- in a particular direction. Right. So there's a sense of getting over a fear. That's right. In part of fear or a part of uh, a, 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 a concern of uh, of making a misstep. And the, 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 the companies that are doing this well are making large numbers of acquisitions. They're not all game-changing acquisitions, but they're recognizing that they need a portfolio of bets and to see and learn from uh, what works and scale that up. Okay.
2: And what, what else are they doing well?
0: Yeah. So uh, I think the most important thing uh, that I mentioned is bringing a multi-year horizon. And we talked earlier about Uh, boldness mattering uh, here. And if you take uh, an example uh, in the the media industry, for example, uh, you know, Axel Springer in Europe, I think is an example of an organization where they built conviction in the mid 2000s about the degree to which the media business was going to be upended and set out over a period of six or eight years to really fundamentally reshape business and that didn't just involve making a bunch of uh, acquisitions although of course that was the the case and they did so across all the different uh, parts of their their business but it also recognized a willingness to challenge and cannibalize the existing business Uh, because as you move to online of course the uh, the revenue per uh, per eyeball is typically much less and an organisation that's willing to go through this needs to say that there's going to be a transition period where revenues are going to be adversely affected. And that takes conviction. It takes conviction from the top team and conviction from the board to see this through and really take a programmatic approach. How should the
2: C-suite or the CEO be, be thinking about digital disruption tomorrow, next week, next month? What 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 would you like to be top of mind?
0: First is to really face into the reality of where disruption is going to come from and the value at stake. This was this uh, idea that uh, it's not enough to have a digital strategy. You need a strategy that's robust in an age of digital disruption and truly understanding whether your, vis- your uh, value propositions uh, are going to hold up in a world of digital disruption is the starting point. Second one is really being bold and purposeful. Uh, in your approach. And that means being bold and purposeful in how you allocate resources. It means having conviction in the direction that you set. And it means being willing to stay the course on building uh, a portfolio of, uh, of moves that will help you uh, uh, re- reinvent yourself if that's what's required. Then a third one is uh, around digital M&A that we were just on and driving that M&A from your strategic intent. Uh, as you're pro- being programmatic in your approach. And lastly, recognizing as you do so that digital MA is going to require doing a bunch of things differently and staring into that uh, and not uh, finding yourself frozen into inaction because of uh, your concern about whether you understand the space uh, well enough. So when we talk about bold is better, to dimensionalize that a little bit, uh, when we look at the top economic performers, they're one and a half times more likely uh, to take bold moves in uh, launching entirely new digital offerings than uh, everyone else. Similarly, they spend three times as much of their revenue on M&A as the typical player, and of that M&A activity, uh, a full two-thirds of that is focused on digital business or digital capability building versus less than half for uh, the remaining players. So we see winners acting uh, Uh, boldly but also tilting their resource allocation uh, significantly towards reinventing their offerings and building capabilities at scale through M&A. Simon, thanks for taking the time with us today. You're welcome.
1: Thank you for joining us today, Inside the Strategy Room. A transcript of this podcast is also available on McKinsey.com under the Inside the Strategy Room section, where you can also find links to all our previous podcasts. If you'd like to receive our latest insights, you can also sign up for email updates on our website, follow us on Twitter at MCKStrategy, or connect with our community on LinkedIn via the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. We look forward to having you join us again soon on our next episode of Inside the Strategy Room.